Welcome to Whose Podcast Is It Anyway? A show where our host engages in a lively conversation with the guest. The guest chooses the topic and the host has no prior preparation or knowledge of the topic. Please note that the opinions expressed on this program are the opinions and views of the host and the guests and are not necessarily the same opinions and views of Al Seeger or Point of Insanity Game Studio. And now, here's your host, Chad Knight. Good evening and welcome to Whose Podcast Is It Anyway? Episode 30. Let's go ahead and get right into uh, Welcome to My Mind Mare. I'm your host, Chad Knight, and as you all know, in this segment I talk about pretty much anything I want to talk about. This is my time since the rest of the show is pretty much the time of of my guest. So the couple things I want to talk about tonight, um, and they kind of go together, are exercising and eating right and losing weight. So I'm on that trip again. I'm trying to lose weight. Um, As a lot of you know, if you've listened to other podcasts that I've been a part of, I spent the better part of a year losing 150 pounds, gained a little bit of it back over the holidays, but I'm back on the uh, on the wagon, so to say, and uh, I've begun exercising again, walking on a treadmill, um, and you know, there's a big difference between uh, exercising alone and exercising with other people, and it's been really kind of nice this time around. My buddy Lou, who uh, is a fellow gamer, he's also, uh, he does the uh, podcast Musically Challenged with me. He and I have started exercising together. We uh, exercise three or four days a week together. Um, it's really kind of nice to have that extra person there with you. Um, you know, my wife will, uh, she will uh, go and exercise with me from time to time, but our schedules don't always cross the best. Where Lou and I have figured out a schedule where it's it's pretty simple. All we got to do is actually get up, get going, and, and go and do it. Um, but along with exercise, of course, you know, you got to eat right and the the combination of those two things will help you lose weight. And um, so I've been back at it for about a month now. I'm down a little over 20 pounds. Um, and, you know, you just feel better. You feel better when you exercise. You feel better when you eat right. And I know sometimes you feel like a rabbit eating all the green stuff. But, you know, in the long run, I think it's really worth it. So um, that's really all I had to say uh, for the mind mirror part of the segment tonight. So let's go ahead and get right into uh, talking with our um, with our guest, uh, Todd Feigenbaum. Uh, Todd is a friend of mine. I've known him for uh, quite a few years now, actually. Um, we're kind of an odd couple, I might say. There isn't much we agree on as far as uh, politics, other than we both are not Trump fans. I, I think I can say that correctly, right, Todd? Oh, yeah. I live in California. You couldn't find five Trump fans within 20 miles of me. Well, there you go. Uh, we, we both do agree uh, that we do love America, and we think that what the way we want things done for the country is the best thing for the country. Now, obviously, I don't know if we can both be right, but we are definitely at odds when it comes to that kind of stuff. Uh, but as far as once we get outside the realm of politics, I think Todd and I agree on quite a bit of things. Um, but Todd, why don't you go ahead and tell us about you, tell us about your life, your family, anything you want to tell us. This is your time. Okay. Well, I live in Sacramento, California. I met Chad through my parents. Um, when we lived, we lived, before we lived in California, we lived in Northern Illinois 
And my parents, um, my father lost his job in Maryland in the summer of 2003 and was looking for another job. And um, they, he found a job offer in Wausau, Wisconsin, which was four hours away from us working at, I guess, Nationwide. Yep, Nationwide uh, Insurance. With Chad's wife, Nicole. And um, I have a daughter who is about the age of your older daughter. Yep. Um, uh, my daughter's name is Carrie. She just turned 18 uh, last two, two weeks ago. So um, anyway, so when Carrie would go up to Wausau to visit my parents, he would bring her to your house or vice versa. Yep. Yeah, it, would, it depended. Yeah. And that's how they became friends. And then I met Chad through them. And then my father passed away about uh, four years ago, three and a half years ago now. And so we stayed in touch ever since. And yeah. so I am. Um, I work for Verizon Wireless out here in Folsom, California. Um, love California. The weather is much better than the Midwest. We were so, about so what was what was the temperature today? Sixty-two degrees or so. Sixty-two. We we hit a whopping twenty-four today. Yeah. So yeah, you definitely get us in the weather department. Well, we get we can get into the triple digits a lot in the summer, at least. But uh, I also like the politics out here. It's a very liberal state. The Democrats dominate every level of government out here. The Republican Party is more of a rumor than a party, unfortunately. Um, but I like the politics out here a lot. Okay. So, uh, all right, great. Well, uh, I'm going to jump into Today in History, and then we'll get back to your topic, and uh, we'll go from there, all right? Sure. All right, so Today in History, and as everybody knows, I get all my history facts that I do for this show from www.history.com slash this day in history. So for today, February 24th, ninth, or I'm sorry, February 24th, 1868, President Andrew Johnson impeached. The U.S. House of Representatives votes 11 articles of impeachment against President Andrew Johnson, nine of which cite Johnson's removal of Secretary of War Edwin M. Stanton, a violation of the Tenure of Office Act. The House vote made President Johnson the first president to be impeached in U.S. history. At the outbreak of the Civil War in 1861, Andrew Johnson, a senator from Tennessee, was the only U.S. senator from a seceding state who remained loyal to the Union. In 1862, President Abraham Lincoln appointed him military governor of Tennessee, and in 1864, he was elected vice president of the United States. Sworn in as president after Lincoln's assassination in April 16, 1865, President Johnson enacted a lenient reconstruction policy for the defeated South, including almost total amnesty to ex-Confederates, a program of rapid restoration of U.S. state status for the seceded states, and the approval of new local Southern governments, which were able to legislate black codes that preserved the system of slavery in all but its name. The Republican-dominated Congress greatly opposed Johnson's Reconstruction Program and in March 1867 passed the Tenure of Office Act over the President's veto. The bill prohibited the President from removing officials confirmed by the Senate without senatorial approval and was designed to shield members of Johnson's cabinet like Secretary of War Edwin M. Stanton, who had been a leading Republican radical in the Lincoln administration. In the fall of 1867, President Johnson attempted to test the constitutionality of the act by replacing Stanton with U General Ulysses S. Grant. However, the U.S. Supreme Court refused to rule on the case, 
and Grant turned the office back to Stanton after the Senate passed a measure in protest of the, dis of the dismissal. On February 21st, 1868, Johnson decided to rid himself of Stanton once and for all and appointed General Lorenzo Thomas, an individual far less favorable to the Congress than Grant, as Secretary of War. Stanton refused to yield, barricading himself in his office and the House of Representatives, which had already discussed impeachment after Johnson's first dismissal of Stanton, initiated formal impeachment proceedings against the president. On February 24th, Johnson was impeached, and on March 13th, his impeachment trial began in the Senate under the direction of the U.S. Supreme Court Justice Salmon P. Chase. The trial ended on May 26th with Johnson's opponents narrowly failing to achieve the two-thirds majority needed necessary to convict him. All right, so the reason I read this one and I thought it was fitting, obviously, is there are there is talk everywhere about the impeachment of the new president, Donald Trump. Um, whether that'll happen or not, you know, is anybody's guess at this point. But um, it's not necessarily something, honestly, I want to see because the guy that's going to replace him, I don't think is much better than what we've got right now. What What are your thoughts, Todd? I think that... I think that Trump has a very high chance of being impeached. I think the 2018 elections are going to be a Democratic landslide. I think they will recapture the House. Their climb for the Senate is going to be a little harder, but there's a possibility for them. Just as the Republicans took the, the Congress away from the Democrats in 2010 as a response to the rollout of Obamacare, which at the time was very unpopular. Trump is making that look like the biggest thing that happened since VJ Day in 1945. Um, I think that if Trump were to be impeached or resign, that Pence would be a very weak caretaker president with a Democratic-dominated Congress. He would get nothing done at all. And then in 2020, a Democrat will take the White House back. And I think Trump and Pence will have been the last Republican president for a long time, maybe a generation. You know, and I don't necessarily disagree with you. I I don't think it, it matters if Trump uh, is uh, is impeached or if he resigns or if he creates and makes the whole four years. Either way, I think in 2020, I think we're looking at a Democratic president um, just because, I mean, he's been in office, what, a month and he's making a mess of everything, you know. His, one, uh, his press conference today. Which I, I I have not had a chance to watch that yet, but go on. He managed to um, insult an African-American reporter. She asked him, a woman, she asked him um, if this meeting he was having soon would include the Congressional Black Caucus, which at first he didn't know what that was. Okay. And then explain what that was. She, he said to her, well, you must know them. Why don't you set up a meeting for me? Are because you serious? Yes, that was his exact words. Oh. Then he managed to insult an, a, an Orthodox Jewish reporter. And I'm not as clear on what he said to that reporter, but I think it has something to do with Net, Netanyahu, the prime minister of Israel. Okay. Um, he claimed that when Obama left office, he left behind a huge mess, which, of course, isn't completely true. And that Obama, I'm sorry, and that President Trump's uh, White House is a well-oiled machine. Yeah, I, uh, if he said that, I mean, and I'm sure he did, um, but just 
the guy just infuriates me. And and I talk about it a lot on this podcast. And it, it's because he is, well, the biggest problem that he has and the way he says things is the fact that he is not a, he's, he's not a, he's not a politician. You know, he's a, he's a mongol mogul of, um, you know, real estate. And he talks, he doesn't talk like he's a political person at all. You know what I'm saying? And I think that he's not necessarily, and maybe I'm making too many excuses here, but I don't think he's necessarily trying to alienate the world, but just because he doesn't know how to speak, he's doing a damn good job of it. He is. And, um, I wanted to ask you a question, too. Mm-hmm. So I know you supported Gary Johnson during the campaign. I did. And um, I also know that Mr. Trump won Wisconsin by, I think it was around 10,000 votes. Yeah, something about like that, yeah. So if a few hundred, if a few thousand more people in the Milwaukee and Madison areas, it turned out possibly it could have gone to Hillary. But given what you know now, do you regret your vote for Mr. Johnson? You know, that's 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 tough to say. Um, I don't think there was enough votes for Johnson in Wisconsin to tip the election one way or the other. Um, and I don't know. I don't know if I could in good conscience vote for Hillary either. Um, I mean, you know that I was not I'm not a big fan of Hillary's. I was not a big fan of Trump's. And that's why I actually went third parties, because I couldn't find a. um a candidate that I could agree with enough. I mean, I don't know. I didn't even agree with Johnson a hundred percent, but I could agree with more of what he had to say than the other two. Well, um, let me ask. Let me ask you. Put it this way. Okay. When you vote for a president, or if you could take your vote back and recast it. Yes. Do you think it's important to vote for someone you support? Or someone that could stop the person that you know you don't want to be president. In other words, Mr. Johnson had no chance of taking the electoral votes in Wisconsin. Hillary did. She didn't do it, but she had a chance. Um, I think Gary Johnson polled in the single digits in Wisconsin. I could be wrong. I don't. I, yeah, I think he polled three percent in Wisconsin, actually. Yeah. So if just knowing what you know now, and knowing how Trump has been. Uh, and knowing that Hillary would be far better than him. I mean, whatever mistake she would make would pale compared to what he's doing. So the question is, does, if you could redo your vote, would you? I probably would. Um, just, I, I, I mean, I can't say 100%, but if I knew today in November, or if I knew in November what I know today, I would probably, uh, I would say there's a, a really good 80, 90% chance that I would have voted differently. Okay. I was just curious about that. I know that, um, you know, I listened to Trump talk about how California would have gone for him if not for 3 million illegal aliens who supposedly voted in our state, which is ranked nonsense. Less than one quarter of the state voted for Trump. Oh, yeah. There, there's no way he was taken. There was no way he was taking California. Yeah. And he's actually in 19 um, in 1987, the former governor of California, his name was Pete Wilson, was running for reelection. And he decided 
he was a Republican, and he decided to pass an initiative of, you know, the propositions that we have out here, mm-hmm. prevent undocumented immigrants from driving, I think it was, or, or voting. I think it was driving. Okay. In any case, it passed, but the voters voted for it. Um, it was overturned by the courts, and the consequence of that was the Hispanic community in California, which historically voted for Republicans, suddenly went all in for Democrats um, as a consequence of what Pete Wilson did. And the Republicans have never recovered since, and that was almost 30 years ago. It's now 2017, and the Republicans now, I think they're in danger in California of being less popular than independents. In other <laughs> words, fewer registered Republicans here than there will be independents. Now, is oh. there are is there any Republican strongholds in California? I mean, are there any Republican politicians outside of like local government in California? The, the um, Republicans, the Democrats control two thirds of both houses of the legislature. So one third each is Republican. Okay. Um, north of us, going between Sacramento and the Oregon border, there are a lot of conservatives, but there aren't enough to offset the populations of San Francisco and Los Angeles, which are very much Democratic, and all the space in between those two cities. Um, to the south in the Central Valley, which is between here and L.A., there are a lot of people that supported Trump. They're farmers. They wanted the water that the Democrats in California are denying them. And then I think down in San Diego, there's a few Republicans. So the um, the House led the House. I'm sorry, the U.S. House um, representation in California is three quarters Democratic, one quarter Republican. Both of our senators are Democratic. Our governor, attorney general, all the state offices are Democratic. So there are some Republicans here. There are actually uh, just to the north of us, there is a Republican U.S. representative. He had a, um, a town hall about two weeks ago. Okay. In which he was driven out of it by the protesters in his own district um, who were protesting the repeal of Obamacare. So as much as... Um, there are Republican areas here, but they're turning blue one by one. Orange County, which is to the south of Los Angeles, it's sort of between L.A. and San Diego, voted for Hillary Clinton. That was the first time that county voted for a Democrat for president since FDR. Wow. And, um, and, and the Democrats were a completely different party back in at the time of FDR. Yes, and of course, in, in more recent years, every election, they vote for the Republican. They voted for Romney, they voted for McCain, and of course, they voted for Bush twice, even though the state as a whole went for the Democrats. Okay. So the more, and I think that, and I actually talked to someone at a, a party recently who works for the state Republican Party here in Sacramento. His job, I think, is to help elect senators or recruit Senate candidates. Okay. And um, he said that Trump is going to be fatal to them that whatever support the Republicans might have be holding on to or clinging to out here, they're going to lose. So yeah, I, I think I think it is. And I think Trump is going to hurt the party um, beyond. I, I, I don't know if it'll be the end of the GOP, but it definitely is going to hurt them in the long run on the national scale. Well, let me ask you, how are how is support for him in Wisconsin? 
depends on who you talk to. You get down to Madison, Milwaukee, La Crosse, you know, the big, the big uh, population centers, and there is no support for, for Trump. Trump won on the fact that the Democrats didn't come out in Wisconsin. They, um, they thought they had it wrapped up. Nobody wanted, you know, nobody wanted Trump, and they thought everybody didn't want Trump. But unfortunately, um, it ended up being a lot more Republicans went out and voted um, than Democrats in Wisconsin, and that's why this state went to Trump. And that's, I mean, even saying that, it was still really close. Yeah, it was ten thousand votes out of yeah. what over a million people voted out there. Yeah, something like that. So like a, a third of the state voted, um, and he won by, you know, 10,000 votes. So, um, but yeah, so, all right. What what are we talking about tonight, Todd? What's what's the topic you're bringing us tonight? Oh, actually, it was going to go from politics to Star Wars. Okay. <laughs> and it would be less controversial <laughs> and also more relaxing. I'm sorry, say that last part again. Uh, more relaxing. You know, you know, I just had heart surgery and talking about Trump probably isn't good for my long term health. So <laughs> um, I woke up, you know, I had this surgery at the beginning of the month. And when I when I was awake enough to read the headlines, I started reading. And the first thing I read was how Trump got into an argument with Australia. And I wanted to ask him to put me back to sleep. <laughs> about 2021. But um, so, yeah, so I was just going to I thought we could talk about the, um, you know, which movies you liked, which movies you didn't like when you first saw Star Wars, the first one you saw and go from there. OK. Um, oh, the first Star Wars I saw, I I want to say the first one I saw, even though I don't really remember it, would have been episode five. Um, because I remember, for some reason, I remember, um, that one came out in 1980, I want to say. It did. Okay, so in 1980, I remember, I, my parents, my mother more than my dad, but my parents used to always, we, we had a drive-in theater here. And I remember for some reason, she packed us all into the car, and we went to the drive-in, and Star Wars was playing. So I was like four years old. So I remember the music... And um, I remember seeing uh, uh, Chewbacca, and he kind of scared me, <laughs> um, you know, because he starts doing his his you know his his sound effects, whatever you want to call it, and uh, that kind of scared me. And I thought the lasers were kind of cool, but I mean, I really didn't watch the movie. You know, I was four years old. It was after dark. I probably made the first thirty minutes of the movie, and then I was sleeping in the back seat, kind of thing. Um, but now I've never been a huge Star Wars fan. I've seen them all, um, that are out so far. So through the seven episodes, I've seen them all. Um, but I would say the first one I really watched with any sort of remembrance of it all was six. And I, and I watched it because I love the Ewoks and I still do to this day. And some people, they, they really have a problem with people that like the Ewoks. They're like, um, you know, they don't quite understand why you would do that. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I always like the Ewoks. I tell you, I watch episode six and I start rooting for the empire. <laughs> I'm like, can you take out the teddy bears and then the rebels can take you out? I mean, they're teddy bears. 
You've got lasers. But no, every time I watch the movie, I'm disappointed again. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, um, yeah. But no. the, uh, the first one I saw in the theater would have been episode four. Being a bit older than you, I was 13. And my father took me in the summer of 1977. It was 13. Um, and we walked in the middle. So uh, we walked into the part where the princess, they had just escaped from the garbage chute. And they're walking down the corridor, and I had no clue what was going on. And we watched the last half of the movie, and then we stayed for the first half. Okay, so you kind of watched it segmented, huh? The first time. And then I wanted to stay for the whole second half again, and my father said, let's go. So <laughs> not having a license at the time, I went. Yeah, no, and, and that kind of sounds like your dad, too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't know. Of of Now, when you ask me what my favorite one is, are, are you talking of all seven of them? Are you talking of the original three? Did you see Rogue One? I did see Rogue One. So we can include all eight. I mean, whichever. What was your least favorite? My least favorite is probably episode five. Really? Yeah. I just, you know, and everybody says that. And I always go, yeah. Uh, I, I suppose episode two is right down there as well. Um, and I've got a feeling that episode eight is going to be there because it's just the it's the formula of a trilogy, you know, where the, the end of the first movie, the good guys are kind of on top a little bit. End of the second movie, it looks all dark and grim because the bad guys are going to win. And then you get in the third movie, and, you know, everybody lives happily ever after. And that's just kind of the formula of a trilogy. So, um, I mean, you can look at any trilogy. You can look at the first four movies. Uh, number five was probably my least favorite. You look at the first three, and number two was probably my least favorite. You look at Lord of the Rings. The Two Towers was definitely my least favorite of the three. It's just, I don't know if it's just my mindset, but, yeah, I would say probably five and two are tied for my least favorite. And I will say that we found something besides politics we disagree about. Um, I think episode five is my favorite. Okay. I, I like the fact that the battle comes at the beginning of the movie. I like the fact that um, I like the stuff with Yoda in the middle, although okay. I do think it tends to drag, and I think they could have edited some of that out a little without hurting the, the movie. Um, I like the um, the Billy D. Williams character, the way he plays Lando Calrissian, and um, and I like the uh, the cliffhanger ending. And when I saw that movie in 1980, I knew it would be three years before I would find out what happened to Han Solo. And you know, at the time, no one knew. Right. Or the internet, and there were rumors that Harrison Ford wanted out of the out of the movies, which meant they could have killed him off. Um, so yeah, so I like that one the best. Um, episode two, I liked a lot better than episode one. Um, although, are, are, here's the question: Are you a Jar Jar hater? Oh, very much. I think that <laughs> um, that episode one is virtue is. I'd say close to unwatchable for me. Um, I think that the performance that Jake Lloyd turns in as Anakin is awful. I think the script is awful. I think um, that George Lucas had no business directing a movie <laughs> at all. And um, it, the movie is saved a little bit for me by the, uh, the Darth Maul character and by the music in the last third of the movie when they're, when Anakin, I'm sorry, no, when Obi-Wan 
and Qui-Gon are fighting with him in that whatever that room was that they're in. The March of the Fates, I think, was the, the music that John Williams composed for that. Okay. I like that music. I like that bit. I like the acrobatic sword fighting. Um, yeah. Um, the, the guy who played um, Darth Maul. Um, oh, Ray is, Park. Ray yeah. Park. Um, yeah, he, uh, he was a martial artist and yeah, it was some of the, some of the, uh, work that they did between him and, uh, who was it? Was it Obi-Wan? Yeah. Well, he fights with Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon, the, um, he kills, he, he yeah. kills Qui-Gon, right? He does. Puts a sword through his chest and then Qui-Gon asks Obi-Wan to train Anakin but that part of the movie I like. Um, but the whole rest of it, the the uh, pot racing's okay, but the writing and the acting is awful. When um, when Anakin yells out "Yippee," when he finds out he's going on a spaceship, yeah, yeah, <laughs> is no, just you know barf. I agree. Now I have a soft spot because I like the Jar Jar character. Okay. And I and I I catch a lot of heck for that, but you know what I. What whatever you know, I I like the Jar Jar character. So if, if you want to pick on me for you know that one little thing, go for it. I hate what Lucas did to the Jar Jar character in the other two movies. Kind of made him as the scapegoat, the guy who caused you know the Empire to come to power, kind of thing, um, which was not the original plan. If you can believe what's been put out on the internet, the original plan. Um, you know, he was to become a senator or whatever, and that was kind of it. And then because of the hate that he got from the first movie, George changed it and made him kind of the scapegoat, which I, I kind of think that that was kind of lame, if that's a true statement. Um, but I did enjoy the the pod, the pod racing. I did, I did enjoy that part of the movie. I did enjoy the part that you had talked about towards the end of the movie. Um, overall, I wouldn't say one is my favorite. In fact, I can guarantee it's not my favorite, but I didn't think it's unwatchable. I wouldn't call it unwatchable personally. Um, it's unwatchable either. I think it, it, it comes close. And so, if, I'm, if I'm in the wrong mood for it, I like, no, I can't watch this movie, but <laughs> the part that gets to me is when they're doing all that underwater stuff and, they're taking forever and there's one fish and then there's a bigger fish. And to me that, that has got to be the slowest part of that movie. And it's, it's absolutely pointless. It's, it's Is nothing that, more than CGI. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of like star Trek one. It's just all video porn. It's just, there's no point to it. It's just shots of underwater because, Hey, look what we can do. You know, there's, there's no story. There's nothing that it, moves the story along and it takes forever. It's like 10 minutes of underwater garbage. Yeah, I agree with that. The whole pacing of the movie, I think is off. Yeah. Um, the, the pace does feel a little off. I'll agree with that. So, so what is your favorite then? It's kind of a toss up. I really enjoyed, um, the third one, uh, revenge of the Sith. Um, okay. Because it told more – now, I hate the guy who played Anakin. I can't think of his name. Hayden Christensen. Yeah. I just – I hated what how he played Anakin. I Once he started going to the dark side, I think he was, he was better suited for that part of the character. Um, 
I really enjoyed the story, though, of the turn of Anakin to Darth Vader. I think that was a story that I always wanted to hear, and they gave it to me, and it was enjoyable. Um, the one the one takeaway of that whole thing is that I don't know how much they paid um, James Earl Jones to do that no at the end, but, <laughs> oh, my God, I saw that, and I was like, no, that's just... It just, it felt wrong. It didn't feel like something Vader would do. You know what I mean? No, it um, didn't. But it might be something Anakin would do. So yeah. Maybe- and maybe that's just part of that final, you know, step over, but it just felt wrong there to me. Well, when you look at, at Hayden Christensen and you look at Darth Vader in the later movies, do you see the same character or do you see two completely distinct individuals? Um... I can I can see Vader. I can see Vader in the Hayden Christensen character, but it has there's the big problem I have is that they're shot at two different times in cinema history. Right. So it's really hard to compare them apples to apples even though it's the same character. I mean, I can definitely see the steps, the progression towards Vader. Right. Um, but is it the same character? I don't know. That's a hard. That's a that's a hard question, actually. So to, um, me, to me, that requires a lot of suspension of disbelief, since in Episode Four there was no intention to have Vader be Luke's father. There was no intention to have Luke be Leia's uh, Leia's brother, and all of that backstory was written later and then retconned into the trilogy. So when you look at Vader in the in A New Hope, he's not Luke's father. That's not the way the movie was shot or written. And so that's kind of it's kind of hard to see the same character through the, all the movies because he changed them. Well, right. And Lucas, I mean, since you know CGI and all this came along, he has changed the original three movies. A bit, yeah. <laughs> so much that it's like kids now that are discovering Star Wars today are not watching the same movie that you and I watched back in the 80s. True, although although I, I don't know. I, I like the changes he made to Empire. The only thing I don't, I don't like about Episode 4 is the scene with um, Han Solo and Jabba the Hutt, which doesn't work and to me is com- completely superfluous. Yeah, it, again, it was, it, was, it was Lucas going, look what I can do. Right, I can, I can Photoshop, which is what he did. I yeah. can Photoshop an image of a computer-generated Jabba the Hutt on top of a 35-year-old Harrison Ford walking around him. Right. Yeah. No, it's 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 silly. Um, now, the other one that I really liked is Episode 7, The Force Awakens. Um, the, the concept of that movie, um, even though Disney had taken over at this point, but George was still involved to some degree, I believe. No, he was not. He had nothing to do with that movie whatsoever. He oh, gave okay. a story pitch, and they said, thank you, but no. Oh, okay. Um, well, anyway, so I really liked it. Um, I was afraid of what Disney would do to the franchise, but I think they were pretty true to it. Um, you know, I think the fact that um, Luke, you know, basically threw a temper tantrum and ran away after episode six, um, and now they're, you know, they need them back because, you know, the bad guys are back, the Sith are back, and now they need somebody that's a Jedi 
to you know to be found to go and I enjoyed the way the movie was put together. Um, I, I the the Ray character, <laughs> she's amazing. Um, my question is, who is she? Do you do you have any theories on who she is? I do, um, and what I think episode eight is going to be about is Luke training her as Yoda trained him. And then also, and this is a rumor that I read, this may not may or may not be true. At one point, she asks Luke, are you my father? And he says to her, no, you're mine. Which means that just as the midichlorians in episode one supposedly created Anakin from the Force, mm-hmm. remember it was a virgin birth, um, with Shmi, the character of his mother who hadn't, she said that he just was born. There was no father. Right. So supposedly Ray is a reincarnated Anakin and that she was brought back to atone for her sins or his sins mm-hmm. and to bring the force into balance, which was her original purpose and has now been given an opportunity to do that. It would sort of be in a way the same way Gandalf was brought back in the two towers for after he died in fellowship of the ring. Right. Because the character wasn't finished. His job wasn't done. Uh, Gandalf's mission in the, in the Lord of the Rings was to defeat Sauron. And until he defeated Sauron, he wasn't going to be allowed to die. So it's something like that might be going on with Ray. But again, that's a rumor. Right. I don't know if that's the way it'll play out. It might be a little hard to explain that in a film. I don't know. Well, but, here my question with that would be, now when Anakin came and he was supposed to balance the Force, of course, everybody thought he was, you know, all the Jedi thought he was supposed to balance the Force for them. But the fact the, the fact truly remained that there was balance that needed and Anakin needed to go to the dark side to actually balance the Force. Which he did in Return of the Jedi when he saves his son by killing Palpatine. Right. Um, and so the idea and the original idea of that was that he kills Palpatine, he dies, the force is now in balance. So perhaps the way the story or the, um, the lore is going to be perceived, I mean, proceed is that the force was unbalanced by the rise of the first order and by, um, Snoke, I think. And yeah. Kylo, and Kylo Ren. And so now the force needs to be put in balance again. So the life force of Anakin has been brought back in the body of Ray, and that her mission will be to do what Anakin was supposed to do. Hey, and that, that sounds great to me. Um, I, I kind of like that idea. Um, you know, it'll, what is it next, uh, this coming July, December, December. this one's a Christmas one. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, and I saw, um, Rogue One, which I don't know, you know, I, I, I enjoyed the movie as a standalone movie, but I don't know really what its purpose was. Um, you know, all the good guys die basically. Um, and I get it. It took place between episode three and episode four. Um, as far as looking at the timeline and I mean, that's obviously why nobody can survive is because none of them are in episode four. Right. Um, except for the fish face guy. Uh. <laughs> well, and, and Jimmy Smith, uh, Jimmy Smith, the uh, he played um, Bail Organa 
he dies off screen when, when Alderaan is destroyed. So, yeah, but he doesn't appear in episode four either. Okay, okay. So, uh, I was going to say, so, you know, it's just, uh, I I don't get what the purpose of that movie was other than to star, sell more Star Wars merchandise, honestly. I thought the um, I thought the movie was terrific at setting up episode four. Although, if I think when it comes out on DVD, if you watch them back to back, you'll have tonal whiplash when you go from one to the other, because one is a very serious and dark war movie, and the other one is a kid's fantasy. But um, but I I like I liked it a lot. I thought that the beginning was disjointed. I understand that the movie was heavily re-edited and, um, and re-shot after it was originally finished. Disney did not like the original cut of the movie at all. That's why if you go back and watch some of the original trailers, most of the scenes in the trailers aren't in the final movie at all. Okay. There's a lot of dialogue that's missing. There's a whole action piece which doesn't appear in the movie. But I really enjoyed Felicity Jones. I liked... Um, I like that the way that they tie it to episode four. I didn't care for the CG version of Carrie Fisher at the end at all. I thought that was a little crazy. I did enjoy the uh, CG performance of Peter Cushing playing um, Grand Moff Tarkin. Yes, that was. I, very I, well. In fact, I looked at Nikki and I said, they did really good getting that guy to look like the original guy. Because I'm like, the original guy can't be alive anymore, is he? No, he passed away in 1994. Right. And she goes, no, I don't think so. So afterwards, we did a little research into it. And she's like, they CGI'd the whole thing. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> that was some amazing tech. And I think that that will serve a lot of movies going forward um, in a lot of ways. I don't know about just dead actors, but other ways. of There's other uses for that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And but it I might be interesting to see how they use that. Um, now I know Carrie Fisher finished shooting episode eight before she passed away, but I wonder if they're going to use that going forward into episode nine. No, they said no. Um, partly because unlike Peter Cushing, she hasn't been gone for 20 years. It's a little too fresh for fans. It's okay. very uncomfortable. So I, I believe that if there were any plans to kill Luke in episode eight or nine, those plans have been put aside I think Luke is safe. Um, they'll probably either kill her off in episode eight with a re-edit or a reshoot, or she'll die off screen between eight and nine. Yeah. Okay. That, yeah, that uh, makes sense. You know, maybe open episode nine with her funeral. I mean, the character is not, it's not implausible to have her die in a war. So, um, um, but anyway, so yeah, so I'm looking forward to seeing how they, they do get rid of, oh, get rid of her, write her out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought Rogue One was decent. I would go back to episode three, though, your point about Anakin turning over to the dark side real quick. Yeah. And to say the one thing about that I didn't care for is, and I'll talk about episode six a little bit, too, but the, I didn't care for the speed with which he converted to the dark side. I felt like his motivation was weak. I felt like it wasn't as well developed in the script as it could have been. I felt like his decision, I think he chops off Samuel Jackson's hands, was out of nowhere. I, I kind of understand what he was, what Lucas was trying to do there, mm -hmm. but I don't think in the end it worked. Um, and I don't think that, that Hayden Christensen was able to sell it. 
I, th I think there was a certain skill there as an actor he didn't possess to pull that off. Yeah, and I and I can agree with that. I mean, all of the characters, all of the actors they had for Anakin, none of them really shined. Um, the kid, you know, I think he was just too green as an actor. Yes. And, and um, you know, I think he was only, what, 10 or 11 years old? I mean, that's well, a big, that's a big important role to be given to a 10-year-old, you know? He's never done a movie before. Yeah, I mean, he'd never done anything, and all of a sudden, here he is. He's Anakin Skywalker. It's like, um, okay, <laughs> you know, and what are the chances that he ever saw a Star Wars movie before, you know, they made him sit down and watch them probably before they started shooting this one, you know, kind of thing. I don't know, but I do know that Jake Lloyd has said since, since, I mean, he's an adult now, obviously, that that movie was the biggest mistake of his life, that he regrets that he made it, that he was teased mercilessly for the rest of his childhood for the perceived weaknesses of that movie. I can and, believe that. Yeah, and that he, his acting, it's actually, so he says he, he wished he'd never done it. I don't think he's ever acted since. Yeah, I think I read that somewhere. I think you're right. I don't think he has. Um, I wanted to go back to episode six a little bit and just compare that to episode three. So episode six has Palpatine or the Emperor um, trying to turn Luke to the dark side. And it yep. seems to me like he's trying to turn into the dark side the way that Trump tries to get people to like him by bullying <laughs> him. And it's like, turn to the dark side, boy, turn to the dark side, boy, over and over again. I think that's a weakness of the script. I think Ian McDiarmid is very good in that role, so I'm not going to criticize him at all. Right. But um, but I, I just don't understand how we, how we hope that that would work. I mean, his loyalty to his friends was pretty clear. His... Um, his faith in his father was pretty clear that Darth Vader still had some good in him. Mm. I mean, if the Emperor were competent at all, he would have said, this kid's a lost cause, kill him now. <laughs> yeah, I, I I get what you're saying about that. But, um, you know, the thing the thing about it is, is my thought was, okay, so if he gets Luke to come to the dark side, you know, the Sith, there can only be two. There can only be the Master and the... Yeah. Uh, right. Right. And so does that mean he's going to ditch Vader? I mean, if he gets Luke, is he going to kill Vader off? You know, well, if you consider the character's history, and again, of course, this wasn't written at the time. He ditched um, Darth. What was it? Darth um, Sidious. No, that Sidious. was no, that no, was him. Darth character. Yeah, Dooku. Let's call him Darth Saruman. In was any it, case, wasn't it? Wasn't it Count Dooku? Yes, it was Count Dooku. So he, he ditched Dooku because he wanted Anakin. Right. So it's not unreasonable that an aged, half-mechanical Darth Vader couldn't have been cast aside for a younger, healthier Luke. You know, yeah. maybe, maybe that's his thinking, and maybe we're thinking too much into it because I don't think the whole two Sith had been written yet. That was part of episode one. Yeah, so, that's, that's true. <laughs> so, maybe we are overthinking it, but that wouldn't be the first time. Yeah, that's like trying to find consistency in Harry Potter. Every book changed all the rules again. So. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, what was which? Which is your favorite of the Star Wars movies? Well, I like Episode Five. I think my second favorite would be Episode Four. 
My third favorite would be The Force Awakens. Um, again, for the talent that J.J. Abrams brings to these movies, to the movies he directs, I loved his, uh, his take on Star Trek. I really enjoyed some of the TV shows he's done, um, Lost, Fringe, a little bit of Alias. So he has a great imagination. He has a great way with, with stories. And I think he did a great job with that movie. I mean, it wasn't perfect. I think it's, it's very much a remake of episode four. Um, it's the star killer base instead of the Death Star. It's Kylo Ren instead of Darth Vader. It's Obi-Wan. I'm sorry. It's Han Solo dying instead of Obi-Wan. Right. No, absolutely. And, and I thought it was a nice touch that Kylo Ren was kind of worshiping the, the, you know, the broken up, desiccated uh, Vader helmet. I did. I thought that was cool. That was his grandfather on his mother's side. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, on, on his mother's side. Yeah, on his mother's side, right. So I was like, Grandpa Darth. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was well done. And I think so. So Force Awakens, after that, episode two I liked, episode six, episode one. And then the Rogue One's out there on, a, on the side, kind of. I really liked it a lot, although I don't think it's part of these movies. I think it's, like you said, totally separate. Right, it, yeah. Totally, it's a war movie. It's a movie where everybody dies at the end, like a Shakespearean play. And um, a movie without without a, without a sequel except episode four. But, yeah. Yeah, so... Forward, so uh, no, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I'm looking forward to episode eight. I'm looking forward to seeing Mark Hamill's interpretation of Luke as an older man. You know, we saw him in one shot in episode uh, seven. Uh, one thing I thought was interesting was that in 1983, Mark Hamill gave an interview um, in which he was asked about Luke's future. And he said, well, George Lucas said I might be back someday. And they asked the interviewer asked him, what do you mean someday? And he said, well, he said, he said that I might end up being in episode seven as like a Yo an Obi-Wan character training a younger Jedi. And Mark <laughs> Hamill said, asked George Lucas, you know, when are you going to make this movie? And he said, I don't know, sometime around 2011. <laughs> and so Mark Hamill said, well, it's nice to have a job lined up in the 21st century. I'm yeah. not going to hold my breath. <laughs> 2011, so he wasn't that far off. <laughs> no, but it's interesting that he predicted that. And there was um, there was an article in Time Magazine when Return of the Jedi came out predicting the prequel trilogy, that they would end with Luke and Leia being born. So L Lucas really had all this plotted out way ahead of time. He just didn't have all the details filled in. Right, yeah, no, I I had heard that he wrote all nine episodes um, and when he pitched episode one initially to the to the studio, they said no, we don't we that that kind of movie will never fly. And mm. so he went away, and like a year later, he came back and he pitched episode four, and they were all for it. <laughs> so yeah, and do you know that to the so Disney bought the Star Wars franchise, right? But episode four belongs to 20th Century Fox in perpetuity because they financed the film. So oh, Lucas cool. doesn't Lucas doesn't own that film to give it away. So episodes five, six, one, two, and three can lapse over to Disney because Lucas financed those himself. But unless Disney pays 20th Century Fox, that movie belongs to them. Really, I did not know that. Yeah, because because they did they Lucas doesn't own the rights to the to that film. Well, that's awesome. 
Yeah. <laughs> Would have been nice if they had said that when he was trying to monkey around with the special effects. <laughs> right? Yeah, no kidding. Um, so let's see, what else? What what so episode eight, there's gonna be an episode nine. There's also supposed to be a sh- offshoot, a Han Solo movie coming out. Yes, with um an actor I just saw, and I forget what I saw him in. Uh, oh, he was in a movie called um, uh, Hail Caesar that just came out. It was by the Coen brothers. He okay, plays, so it's a comedy. Actor. Yeah, it's a comedy. He plays an actor in that movie. He was a Western actor, and they dump him into a bedroom drama, and he can't act in it at all because his voice is crazy and whatever. He's actually pretty good in it. The actors, he looks the part. I think he can pull off a Han Solo. Okay. Yeah, I'm yeah. kind of looking forward to that one. I like the Han Solo character. Um, it sounds like everything I've read that uh, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, the guy who played Han Solo. Why can't I think of it? Uh, Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford was not very fond of the Han Solo character. Um, he, he asked to be killed off in Return of the Jedi. Right. Like he felt like the character could go out in a blaze of glory, and Lucas wouldn't have it. And so he was very happy, and he was, really was happy to be able to die in Episode 7. Yeah, in fact, that was one of the conditions of him even coming back was that the character died. Yep, so he was he was putting it all, all out for that. So now, here's one question I have about Episode 7 and the death of Han Solo. So he's on this, this walkway with Kylo Ren, um, or Ben, whatever you want to call him. Yeah. Um, and they're face-to-face, and they're talking. And when he dies, of course, the whole lightsaber thing happens, you know, below screen. You don't see it happen. And Kylo is crying, and uh, Han Solo's almost in tears. And then you hear the lightsaber, and then Han, or I forget, somebody says thank you, and Han falls. Right. So they were, they, you know, because Han had a hold of Ben's hands. So who... He, he was holding on to the lightsaber. Yeah. Who flipped the lightsaber on? Did what? did Han Solo kill himself in order no. to give Kylo Ren an out later on? Or no. did Kylo actually kill him? Kylo killed him. It's pretty clear if you watch it that uh, he holds out the lightsaber to Han Solo. Han Solo puts his hands on it to take it. Kylo Ren actually doesn't let go of it, flips it on and stabs him through the through the abdomen. And then he holds on to him and Kylo says, thank you. As What he's doing is Kylo is purging himself of whatever goodness is left in him, um, which was what Snoke asked him to do. And then Han Solo dies. Okay. And, and that brings me to the next question. Who the heck is Snoke? How, how is he work into this whole situation. There's no uh, hint in episode seven. I haven't really heard any solid rumors about him, um, except that maybe he ties back to a character in the original trilogy or not. Although he clearly would have had to exist. How he rose to power isn't explored at all. So there's no, there's no explanation given for him. Yeah. And I, and I don't know. I mean, obviously he's got that emperor, um, kind of character you know he's the he's obviously the sith lord um or the sith master but 
how he works into it kind of is confusing at this point. Hopefully they clear that up in eight. Yeah. Um, but we'll, we'll have to see. So, yeah. um, yeah, I think that's probably a good place to, to kind of wrap it up here. And, uh, I want to thank you for uh, hanging out with me tonight. Um, I'm going to do a little bit of paperwork here and I'll come back to you at the end. We'll talk about the quote of the day and we'll go from there. All right. So, Next week, um, I have a, uh, I have uh, Mike Lambrecht. He is the first of my, I'm calling it my mic block because I've got two mics in two weeks. Um, so come check that out and uh, we'll, we'll see what we talk about next week. Um, again, remember, you can always send me emails uh, with any, uh, any questions, concerns, uh, if you want to be on the show, anything like that, you can email me at whosepodcastisit at gmail.com. Um, and I look forward to reading that kind of stuff. And then let's jump into the quote of the day here. Now, each week what I do, Todd, is I have a quote of the day. I'll read the quote. I'll read a little bit about who said the quote. And then we'll discuss it if there's anything to talk about. And then we'll get out of here and we'll call it a night. So the quote this week is from uh, Mohandas Gandhi, uh, better known as Mahatma Gandhi. And the quote is, you must be the change you wish to see in the world. So uh, he lived from October of 1869 to 30th of January 1948. He was the preeminent leader of the Indian independence movement in British-ruled India. Employing nonviolent civil disobedience, Gandhi led India to an independence and inspired, move, mo, and inspired movements for civil rights and freedom across the world. The honorific Mahatma, uh, which is a Sanskrit word that means high-souled or venerable, applied to him applied to him first in 1914 in South Africa, is now used worldwide. In India, he is also called Bapu. Uh, or father, and he is unofficially called the father of the nation. So I've always been a fan of Gandhi. Um, I, I like the, you know, the civil disobedience kind of thing. That's always been, I, I think, a good way to solve things. Um, but I think with our current president, the whole you must be the change you wish to see in the world, um, I think the fact that we as uh, – American citizens, we need to be the change. And the change that I want to see is, um, you know, President Trump maybe going away. What, 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 what are kind of your thoughts on that? I think he's an awful president. I think that, I, I, I mean, I don't know. I've been around a while. I, the first president I was aware of as a person, you know, when I was a kid was Nixon. Okay. Another fine, upstanding president, I must say. Um, I remember the day he resigned. I was 10. Okay. Um, I remember here. I'm tell you this. I remember hearing about Watergate in school when I was a kid. Thought it had to do with a flood somewhere. I didn't know what the heck they were talking about about it. But um, but I think that Trump is by far the worst of my lifetime. Um, he um, he's he's not he's not the first president to lie. He's not the first president to cover things up, but he's the first one to do it at this level. And I rem I'm reminded of a quote from Prime Minister Tony Blair. Okay. Pointed out that if we want a perfect world, it's there. All we have to do is make it. 
most problems in the world are human created. In other words, there are problems that are natural that we can't overcome, sickness, death. I mean, the, the, those problems are beyond human control by and large. Oh, yeah, but, a- absolutely. I think uh, I think you're absolutely right with the fact that humans create 98% of the problems in the world. And humans can solve those 98% just as easily if we could just have the will to do it. Yep. Um, you know, the one thing we didn't touch on that I, that I kind of wanted to touch on, I guess, when it comes to politics is the the wall. Um, with you being in a state that will border this said wall, um, mm. you know, it's uh, I think it's an absolute waste of money um, for a few reasons. Um, they're called airplanes. Mm. Airplanes, shovels, tunnels. And the fact that. <laughs> And the fact that over 80% of so-called illegal aliens are people that come in on work visas and just overstay their visas. That's true. So you build you build a $40 billion or whatever it's going to cost wall between the United States and Mexico. If you can overcome all of the challenges of that, which are enormous, and you've solved nothing. You don't. You don't solve a thing. And, uh, you know, I guess, uh, you know, that's just the way – I, I don't know the, how this man's brain works, you know, and I guess that's my biggest problem is I can't understand the way that he's going about doing things because it doesn't make sense. Um, his base, he has exaggerated the danger that, uh, that undocumented aliens present to our country. And I would ag- agree with anyone who says that we need to that we need to secure our borders. I would agree with anyone who says that if an undocumented immigrant um, commits a crime, he or she should be deported at once, if not put in jail. On the other hand, we have these dreamers that President Obama tried to protect who were brought here as infants and have lived here their entire lives but are undocumented. What do we do with them? How do we send a 19-year-old college student to Mexico or Guatemala or Ecuador because their parents made a poor choice 20 years ago? Right. And, you know, that's always been the thing. And, and well, here's the thing is our the way our laws are written. If a child is born on a United States soil, he's a citizen. But these so, are children who are born abroad. So what's that? these are people who are born or brought born abroad, but brought here as infants or small children. Yeah. They and, have say in their circumstances. Yeah, and I don't – yeah, they really have no say in that. I, I, you know, I'm glad I don't have to make those decisions, honestly. <laughs> yeah. um, but anyway, so, uh, well, let's wrap it up, Todd. I I appreciate you um, coming on the show. Um, I hope you're healing well and everything's going well for you, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay, thank you. All right, thanks, Todd.